Welcome, Welcome to, to the Magic, Magic Within. Within. Hello, Avalor. Welcome back to another episode of The Magic Within, your podcast resources for all things Elaine of Avalor. Okay, so as always, we are coming at you live from our Elaine of Avalor Discord server. We've been a little bit quiet on the podcast princess front, but no worries. We've just been enjoying a bit of R&R. And we're back and ready to roll. Woohoo! Anyways. Woo! <laughs> yay. Anyways, tonight we are excited to sit down and discuss the most recent Elaine of Avalor episode, Not Without My Magic, which was an exciting yet heartwarming episode written by Rachel Ruderman and directed by Rob Pratt. Boy, do we have a lot of thoughts about this episode. Mm-hmm. A few speculations, a fascinating look at the legends and lore behind the mythical creatures introduced in this episode, and just so much more. And of course, joining me tonight is the rest of the squad, your podcast princesses. So we have Lady C. Hi everyone, it's Chrissy from New Zealand. Lady J. Hey, it's Jenny from California. Lady A, which is me, Amelia from Oregon. Lady G. Hello, it's Georgia from Greece. And last but not least, Lady B. That's me, I'm Becky coming to you from Germany. Okay, so I don't know about you girls, but I really love this episode. Not only was it an amazing character development episode for Elena, but it also seems to set us up for the next story arc. So we have a brand new villain, Ash Delgado, a new mystery, some kind of darkness, and a new conflict. Elena has to find balance between her magical powers and her other strengths. I think it's safe to say that there are a lot of exciting things in store for us as Elena of Avalor finishes season two and moves on into season three. Okay, so let's jump into our discussions. Okay, so the episode opens with Elaine and Skylar. They're just like chilling on her balcony. And of course, Skylar says the things that jinxes all of the peace. Isn't that nice? This is the sound of, you know, a peaceful time with no shiriki gone for good and really that means that something horrible is about to happen right (laughs) absolutely um elena is still worried about victor and carla being at large um and also this confirms that her scepter is broken she was yelling some magical commands like glow blaze anything Anything. and it wasn't working and then it just stopped out working It's interesting that she's just starting to realize now the implications of her scepter being broken. And um, we've seen it acting up in, you know, tides of change when Bloom wouldn't work to save the Sardinas from the Melandros. Um, moving on up, when she kept whacking it after she was trying to play a prank on Mateo, for example. And speaking of Mateo, he just casually enters the scene, coming through Elena's room like, no big deal. There he is. He is the new neighbor. <laughs> he is her new neighbor. <laughs> Howdy ho, neighbor. Wow. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and he almost gets like a like blaze to the face or <laughs> something it's like that. Good thing it wasn't working. Yeah, good thing it wasn't working. You know, blaze doesn't work well for him, I don't think. Um, <laughs> it's not a good look so, for him. So, uh, so he walks into Elena, you know, who's obviously, you know, a little thrown off by her scepter not working. And she opens up and, you know, starts, you know, what's the word? Oh, God, I didn't want to say spills. Freaking out. Unloads. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. She's freaking out. <laughs> Mini freak out. Yeah. About her not being able to protect her kingdom or anything like that without her scepter. And it's kind of funny. Matteo just kind of watches her with a smile at first. I think he's pretty used to her, like, freaking out over <laughs> not being able to protect her kingdom. You know, who wouldn't? She is, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the royal princess with the magical scepter. So I'm starting to think that these little freakouts of hers are happening a little bit more frequently than maybe we see on screen. <laughs> yeah, I think it's safe to say. Um, so then Elena turns to Matteo and practically begs him to fix it. You can fix it, can't you? And I just thought it was really interesting that he's humble enough to recognize immediately 
that that's a powerful ancient artifact and it's way out of his league. Um, but he has a very good idea as to who might know how to fix it. And um, I just thought it was, you know, he gave her good advice, sent her on her way. And it was just really cool how he supported her through her fears. And, you know, that's just once again showing what a good friend he is. I actually thought that somehow they would have been able to, I don't even know how, but um, summon Amalai because she's the one that made the scepter. So that would have been cool if they Actually, you know what, Chrissy? It's interesting that you say that because I was wondering if maybe that wasn't going to be one of the um, Sunbird suggestions in the future. You know, something to speculate for season three is that somehow they're going to have to talk to Amalai about fixing the scepter. That'll be awesome. Right. Didn't they talk about visiting the ance- the ancestors branch at some point in the future? They did. That would be really they cool. Mm-hmm. Like the musician guy, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we shall see. Right? Here's hoping. <laughs> um, Elena, she's beyond pleased by this idea and she rushes off to Vaistreya and it's nice to see our impulse princess hasn't changed one bit. <laughs> Not one bit. <laughs> Isn't that the truth, though? And then, you, all while in Biastray, you also get to see Cruz and Vestia on the run, just kind of flying through the air. And at first, it was just really nice to finally get to see their individual personalities. Well, Vestia's anyway, because we saw Cruz being all cocky and shapeshifters, but this is really the first time we get to see who Vestia really is. Yes, and I just Ooh. thought their dynamic was so interesting. Like, they kind of remind me of a darker version of Gabe and Naomi. <laughs> Cruz is very straightforward let's just shove these giant boulders that are way bigger than us out of our way and Vesti is more subtle and diplomatic like she's like um well why don't we like you know like pick these little rocks out and maybe that'll make the bigger rocks move so she 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 has a certain subtlety that that Cruz lacks (laughs) and and then of course like Cruz is like oh, wait, you think we should attack Elena? That's never worked for us well in the past. And she's like, no, we need to go grovel. Are they twins or are they just brother and sister? They are twins. She said that she was the evil twin. (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm really starting to question after this episode, but we'll talk more about that later. (laughs) And then after that, their true motivations are revealed. And we see that they're not evil for the sake of evil. They're actually kind of morally neutral. And they will take the path that most benefits themselves, which is in this case, they just want to stay in Biastrea. So they'll do whatever they can to stay there, yeah. despite whether it's good or bad. And it makes you kind of wonder, like, why did they seek to overthrow Chief Zephyr in the first place? What was in it for them? I wonder if we'll find out for that, find out about that later. They seem to have, like, no problem about taking the moral high ground if that's what it takes, you know, for them to come home and basically save their own skin. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I thought oh, that it was sure. really interesting how their body language and the way they spoke the lines and their facial expressions it really did feel like they wanted to change it didn't feel like they like we know that they had ulterior motives but it didn't feel like they were like faking it you know mm-hmm. I agree with you I'm hesitant to think that <laughs> I, I mean just because I have a seven year old is she really persuasive I, yeah, I, that nice before. I don't always believe it uh, oh, yeah, I mean don't get me wrong I think yeah. I think the first chance they get to like like, do something that really benefits them, they're gonna like mess up again. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sure that they're gonna try their best to keep their peace, but yeah. Hmm. I th- yeah, we're definitely not <laughs> done with them, I'm sure. <laughs> I just don't think they would, you know, mingle with them, the bad, bad guys like Shurik is gone, so now the Delgados and stuff like that. Especially not the Delgado 
us because they treat them really badly. <laughs> yeah. I just I, picture I just picture them like crossing their little fingers behind the back of their paws or their paw fingers. <laughs> and like, saying, like I promise we're never gonna work with Shuriki again and now that Shuriki's gone, it's like you know, they're not lying. <laughs> <laughs> but Ash Delgado, anyway, speaking of the Delgados, we see the Delgados and they are one big happy family. And oh my gosh, just look at how cute and sweet and happy Carla is. It's yes. a side of her we've never really seen, you know, aside from that split second in Snow Place Like Home when she saw her mother. It is a little strange to see her like that. I find it adorable, to be honest. Yes, it is. It I have a soft spot for, you know. <laughs> I like my multi-dimensional villains. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I and mean, that's exactly that. right. You know, in most shows, you see just one portrayal of the villains, which is genuinely yes. the evil side. So it's really good to see the more softer side. Yeah. And it's kind of nice. I mean, it's one of it's one of my like gripes about Shuriki in general is she's just such a just she only has one side, but like literally every other villain in the series has more dimension like you said Chrissy mm. it's nice to see but so we we quickly see that as soon as Carla leaves the room there is trouble in paradise Victor and Ash are at odds with each other <laughs> and um, Victor's mad at Ash for being gone for seven plus years okay so Ash seems angry that Victor took the initiative to become a Malvaga while she was gone. Or, you know, at least that's how it seems. Mm -hmm. Why? Why does anyone think that? Maybe she wanted to have the power and be like the only one. Yeah. Huh. Well, she said she was yeah. going to train him. So I'm like wondering if like she has a very specific kind of Malvago power. And now they're connected to Fierro forever. Not her. Maybe. I also oh, kind of feel like, you know, to... I mean, I'm sure we're, I think we're discussing this a little bit later on, but I think her, you know, she has ulterior motives too. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? She may not, I mean, there must be a reason why she wanted to go and why she's mad that he didn't wait for her. Mm -hmm. You know, I could, I, I'm pretty sure there must be something to that yes. that we're not knowing yet. And I'm sure we'll True. eventually find out. And also Makes why sense. they wanted to become Ogvagos in the first place. So <laughs> that's a big deal. <laughs> Yeah, like specifically Malvagos. Mm -hmm. I mean, we know that you know Shuriki kicked out Victor to begin with. You know what I mean? And why did do we know why he was kicked out? Because he was Esteban's best friend, wasn't he? I think they just yeah, but... double crossed him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah actually, that's what Shuriki does. To, yeah, I think just less people they had to benefit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then yeah. they kind of needed Esteban. That's why she she kept him. Yeah, well, he because had he was the only one that actually know how to work <laughs> in the kingdom. <laughs> Very true. Um, but Victor, yeah, Victor could go. Oh, I actually really like Victor. <laughs> no, I know. I feel like for as bumbly as he is, you know what I mean? He's going to be kind of what keeps, I feel like he, almost like he's going to be what keeps Carla, you know, grounded in the future. Because I feel like her mom is way ambitious, like way more so than. I actually think know, so too. You know what I mean? I feel like she had, like, her level of how much she's willing to do is very different from what Victor's is. And I think that's going to be, like, what Carla's, you know, saving grace is going to be later. But so, um, in spite of their fighting, you know, they do try to work together to look like a happy couple for Carla's sake, which, you know. Aww. I think as a parent, we know that feeling all too well when you're yes. like totally not getting along with your spouse and you're like, hi, honey. And then leave the room and you're just like, ah, <laughs> back to where we were. <laughs> but um, that sweet hug where Victor and Ash are glaring at each other over Carla's head is so priceless. Like, <laughs> really? like I said, I totally can like, relate to that. <laughs> 
Oh, that's too funny. So then um, we see Elena and Skylar go to meet with Kito Mas. And I thought it was really interesting because this was the first time we've seen him actively communing with the flames as opposed to like usually the flames like interrupt him. <laughs> um, Very true. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. But then I just had to laugh at those dramatically loud whispers from Elena and Skylar, like real subtle guys. And then we see a bit of lovely foreshadowing as to what the conflict for the rest of the episode will be. And basically, it's don't knock open the jars or there will be chaos all over by Astraea and beyond. <laughs> and we already know dun, dun, dun. something's yeah. going to happen with those jars. I feel like they could use Rafa in that case. Like, right. I feel like these jars baby proof because whatever Did they're doing is yes. not working for them. <laughs> basically, just don't open strange jars in a lane of Avalor. You'll be yeah, safe. this is true. And in life. <laughs> this is in life. Don't not open strange jars. <laughs> That's Kitties. good advice for anybody. <laughs> I know. Yay. Kids, don't try this Elena, at home. prophecy to us all. <laughs> How to keep your cookie jars intact. Yes. <laughs> Alrighty. I just L-O-V to the E. Oh, Kito Moss, he doesn't sugarcoat things. He doesn't give Elena a sweet pat on the back. Like, oh, it's okay that I was interrupted. Not a big deal. He's like, yeah, I'm sorry too. My flames were about to tell me something big. Girl, and you ruined it. <laughs> 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 Holla at you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I don't know if it's good for Elena, but Elena's a big girl and she can handle it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has bigger problems to worry about uh, than whatever Flames had to say or did see. <laughs> because right now her scepter is broken and Kitamos indeed confirms that it's been corrupted by dark magic. Which begs the question, can it be fixed or will Elena have to say goodbye to it for a really long time? And the very thought of that actually sends her into like spiraling into panic. <laughs> She's like, oh my god, a day, a week, a year? Ah! Because basically like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all of the above. Yeah, so basically Kitamos is like yeah, it's gonna go away for an indefinite amount of time. Who knows when you'll get it back. But I thought it was interesting that last time, you know, he was ready to, like, sit down and, like, you know, teach her all of the scepter powers. And this time he was like, you know, there's more than one way to defeat a a wizard without magic. And instead of, like, sitting down to explain it, he's like, all right, all right. Here, here's a solution. <laughs> Probably because Elena wizard wouldn't... was he talking about? Is that foreshadowing as well? Yes. Like, or is it something she'll have to discover for herself? What mm. are we going to see? Because his key word there was wizard. Mm-hmm. This is true. Mateo? <laughs> Defeat Mateo without magic. <laughs> or Malvagos. But then he gives in and eventually hands over a crystal tamborito, which is beautiful, by the way. Mm-hmm. It definitely doesn't look like true. any of the other tamborinos we've seen so far, being that it's crystal and definitely looks a lot more powerful mm-hmm. but he gives it to her only with the promise that she goes and is trained by Mateo with it and so mm-hmm. of course she hastily prom- promises and is like oh yeah of course I'll do it and I give it over to me <laughs> and so yeah we all know she's going to break that promise as yeah. soon as she can justify it exactly. <laughs> she does oh yeah but <laughs> well, we're getting there that's so Elena. <laughs> I thought it was really interesting to note how awkward the tamborita looked hanging from the scepter holster. Like, it was so obvious that she and the tamborita were never meant to be, you know? Oh, it would have been so cool, though. I know. Be I really wanted to see that, actually. 
Uh, and I bet, I mean, we know Mateo would totally love to get his hands on it, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking too. Why did she not keep it for Mateo? I mean, that was a part of Tamborita. He could use it. He would have right. been fascinated by it, no doubt. Yeah. He saw he probably how he got night. She needed him focused, maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, um, mm-hmm. in that context, or you know, who knows? Maybe yeah, it'll be maybe we just in the future. Crystal, that would be really cool. Oh, oh, you know. Oh, okay. Actually, I'm gonna tell you later. <laughs> There's a mention. You know, about... I think I know where you're going. Honestly, uh, actually, I was going on that script that said something about Elena and crystals and a dress, and yeah, that that's what I was thinking. And I'm like, boom. <laughs> I wonder if okay. Kitamos has like a crystal dress in there too. His <laughs> own crystal gosh. outfit. You know, crystal the whole, buddy it's the crystal collection. <laughs> I would buy yeah. that. Look well, you me. never know. We might, you know, we might see that. Absolutely. That would be so cool. I'm so mad that Matteo didn't get it though. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I mean, I, I, I trust the ultimate decision, but, you know, that would have been awesome. Hopefully we see it again. <laughs> it would have been interesting to see if it acts up with him too, because it seems like it was just a, like they made it sound like because it's a very powerful mm-hmm. tamborita, like it would work like a normal one. I don't know. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. So much to think about. All right. So, Vessia and Cruz, who are watching, and not uh, hear the thing about the doors, and Vestia <laughs> quickly alters the plan as soon as it suits her. Uh, and it's really interesting to see that they still want forgiveness and go home, but they would still n- prefer not to crawl and beg. They they make this entire plan about freeing a dangerous creature and then saving the day and gaining everyone's forgiveness. <laughs> yeah, they, they want to come as heroes rather than forgiven outlaws. And yeah, King Virago, he's in much better spirits this time. <laughs> he seems much more happy to see Elena this time around. <laughs> <laughs> no, go away. Um, and it seems like he came to Elena to help with the cruise and Vestia problem. Mm-hmm. And immediately after that meeting... We see a Pokemon. I think it's a Charmander. <laughs> okay, not really. Uh, it's an Anjimon, which we don't Charmander. find out for a little while, but I'm going to talk about it now. So the little creature that Cruz and Vestia free is an Anjimon. And from the little bit of research I did on Google, which, you know, isn't a whole lot, but it seems that this little guy was inspired from the Mapuche legend of the Anchimayan, a mythical creature that takes the form of small, a small child and can transform into fireball flying spheres. Oh my goodness. Right? And they are created, the reason they take the form of small children is they are, dun dun dun, created from the corpses of small children. Which is very oh, super oh, creepy. Nice. What research has the AI done? We soon have a find lot of out. Legend down there. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, this got dark. This is why they just... take inspiration from and don't use them word for word. <laughs> yeah, mythology is kind of creepy sometimes yeah. for every kind of culture. So I like this dude. Yeah. Dog. <laughs> I don't think I ever slept without like thinking someone was gonna like some kind of creature or animal was gonna come get. <laughs> Night, you know, when I was a kid, anytime I slept over at my grandmother's so house, she's like, you better go sleep or, you know. The something's going to come get you? Yeah. <laughs> I was pretty terrified as a kid now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> so we soon find out that this little guy's creator is Chatana, a winged sorceress who was banished from Vallestrella along with a bunch of creatures she created. Um, 
And according to the legend of the Anchimayan, these little creatures were the servants of the Kalku, Mapuche dark sorcerers who deal in black magic and negative forces. They also had the power to work with harmful spirits and demons known as, goodness, forgive my pronunciation, the Wekufe. Oh my um, right. <laughs> the Kalku also has the potential to transform into the Chanchan, a winged creature with the power and secrets of the Kalku sorcerers. Chatana sounds like a cross between this and the Kalku. And fun fact, this little winged thing is basically a flying human head. Seriously, like imagine a human head covered in feathers with talons on the bottom where the ears have been turned into big old like bat wings. Just a little creature. I feel like I have a bird like that. <laughs> a giant flying head. I'm pretty sure my grandma had a bird like that. She had lots of frightening things. Is she okay. Chitana? Oh. I think your grandma might be Chitana. <laughs> we'll see. Actually, she's so sweet. I'm just, you know, now that I'm thinking about it. She did have, like, some kind of, like, winged rat creature. She called a bird. And it was super annoying. But anyways. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, surprise, surprise. Cruz and Bestial's plan backfires. So, the creature bounces around, setting fires when net wherever it lands. And it's pretty much a big problem. Because Australia is like a tropical forest. It's mm. full of trees and grass. Yeah. <laughs> and though it was... I thought, though, that it was really cute when Cruz and Bestia spoke so sweetly to the little Anchinamon without uh, without knowing, of course, how destructive <laughs> it is. But, you know, it really makes you wonder about their true personalities. Are they just the victims of an identity crisis? Are they really evil at heart? I mean, Vestia claims so, but... <laughs> she didn't sew it in the sub. They seemed pretty... They were kind of wild cards, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And it's funny how they really didn't think this one through at all. Mm -mm. <laughs> I mean, wait, this creature can start fires. Crap. <laughs> it's like parenting when you think about it. It's like having a toddler. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Antinamon <laughs> is their new child. <laughs> yeah, you think, you know, you talk sweetly to it and you never realize how destructive it could be. Yeah. yeah it's like a toddler. <laughs> Yay. Exactly. <laughs> Though it must think that his uh, that its mom is Chitana, so the problem is bigger than we thought. Yeah, and I just I loved seeing Elena instinctively just take charge and jump into the problem like solving mode. And she didn't even think about it. She just saw a problem and knew that what needed to happen to find a solution. And it's also interesting she didn't know exactly how she was gonna fix the problem, but she knew the first step was getting there and She's just really good at making quick decisions and judgments like that, even though sometimes, as we soon learn, they're not always the best decisions. But she is quick at making them, so mm -hmm. that counts for something. <laughs> yes. And with those lily pads that they picked up, they are beautiful. And I'm pretty sure when I was looking for lily pads, <laughs> they actually have some that look like in Japanese ponds. If you guys have looked it up, they have, like look really similar. So yay! Oh, yeah. And then it was also so cool to see King Virago not only working together with Elena, but also complimenting her on a job well done. And it's such a difference in his attitude since the last time we saw them together, which mm -hmm. was when he was basically criticizing her. Well, I guess generally <laughs> yeah. giving her constructive criticism about how to be <laughs> a better ruler and make it better for her country. But now they're kind of just working together and you can see they kind of have a easy rapport going between them now. Mm -hmm. And when the water solution doesn't seem to be fast enough, Elena then does what she does best. And she just comes up with another solution on the fly. And even though it 
kind of reckless and impulsive it still makes the problem a lot worse and it's not good uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> we we know what's coming next right yeah <laughs> she breaks the one promise she said <laughs> um oh yes she did promise not to use that tambourine until she was trained with it but you know we all knew it's elena of course she's not gonna wait till she's trained with it if she needs it she will use it um <laughs> So she doesn't listen to um, Skylar like at all. And she ends up casting a spell that backfires almost as badly as Cruz and Vestia's plan. Um, which is actually, I don't know. I, it sounded like she had good form. You know yeah. what I mean? She had the, the pose and she said the word right, but no. She She's a good learner. She observes. Also, you really gotta love Skylar's response <clears throat> to her stock in dismay. Like, uh, maybe because you're not a wizard? <laughs> Skylar's like what we're all thinking. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he was, you Impulse know, the voice of voice. reason of the episode. Helena, we've seen Wizard in Training on repeat. We right. know. <laughs> we know why this didn't work. <laughs> right. Gotta love Skylar. Just pointing out the obvious that we all know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I can't help but wonder if she said the incantation wrong or if the creature is just immune to magic or maybe a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling she probably said it wrong, seeing as she's never had any practice with a tamarita, but, you know, We'll just never know, I guess. <laughs> Apparently, they're kind of finicky from what I... I mean, because Rafa kind of did it, too. And, um, That's true. Glass she did. Too, you know what I mean? So She sure did. Maybe a crystal tambourine is extra picky. This is true. <laughs> we'll say that. Maybe it's, like, maybe it's like a wand and you choose its wizard. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I told so, I couldn't help um, but notice... Actually, so at this point in time, I just sort of had the thought and it kind of makes me sad, but I totally get because, you know, the whole time, I don't know about you girls, but I was thinking, why didn't Mateo go on this adventure? Because, you know, magic, he's, you know, would be kind of helpful, wouldn't he? And (laughs) there's two obvious reasons why he's not there. One, he would just cast the spells and Elena wouldn't have this problem. And then two, she would learn nothing. Exactly. <laughs> she wouldn't learn anything. And that's kind of the whole point of the episode. And in the event that Elena did insist on helping with a tambourine, well, he might be all go with the flow. Okay, Elena, whatever you say about most things. But I think he would flip out if Elena tried to cast wizard spells without proper training. Like, no one <laughs> knows the dangers of magic better than Mateo. And he would not just, I don't think he would, I think he'd put his foot down rather than let her cast magic recklessly though you know in in the heat of the battle training session might kind of be kind of fun to watch <laughs> honestly i think he's still recovering from when his mom came almost yeah. moved in so <laughs> this, is true. this is true <laughs> so ender cruz and vestia oh we talk about cruz and vestia a lot in this episode <laughs> okay anyway keep enter going. cruz and vestia to save the day dun, dun, dun. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That was exactly the sound I was thinking of. <laughs> Great minds think well, alike. Well, you guys, you could say they play with fire and get burned. Oh, George is on fire today. My God. Well, they're awesome, but everything actually is awesome until we get caught by King Virago. <laughs> mm, burn. Oopsie. Um, and they were completely honest, again, which is very interesting behavior for supposedly evil Draquins. Although, you know, they do have that ulterior motive, but, you know, they seem pretty determined to make it right to get home, you know? Yeah. Well, it's not easy being evil. 
Yeah. No. <laughs> well, they felt really remorseful too. Like, like they did feel bad that they caused this problem. Interesting. I think that, um, what is that movie? Or maybe it's a show or maybe someone just said it in passing. I don't know. I just have that thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, what was it? Oh, where like someone, oh God, it's like someone's not sorry for what they've done. They're just sorry they got caught. Yes. That's what my you mom what I mean? always said so, to I me. Mean, I don't think that they are completely like they feel bad for what they've done in the past. I think they want to get home though. So <laughs> they're like, all right, whatever you guys need me to do. I just want to But <laughs> yes, don't forget they did cross this mess. So even oh, if yeah. it is with the best intentions, you know, mm-hmm. makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Wasn't exactly the right way to go about it. No, definitely not. <laughs> all right. And then we skip back to the Delgados. I feel like there's almost like three, three almost like mini story plots going on in this episode, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool, but. Anyway, back to the Delgados. Carla is still blissfully oblivious to the tension between her parents. And perhaps maybe she's like kind of intentionally oblivious. Maybe she just wants to see what she wants to see. Mm-hmm. So maybe she's purposely trying to ignore the little signs of maybe that there's something not quite right there. You know, it's interesting that Ash is angry with Victor that she didn't get to see their daughter grow up. And it's all his fault because... C is the one that left. Mm-hmm. And well, and well, she was away for five years with her training, not coming back and forth. Um, so really, there are actually speculations on why she said that. Uh, was it Victor's idea that she go train in dark magic to begin with? Was there other plan to go challenge Shuriki? Why didn't Victor just go train on his own if he wanted it so badly? And, you know, as stay with Carla... I mean, there's something complicated going on here, and I think we will be answered uh, in the next episodes. Definitely more than meets the eye, I definitely think. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we need, like, an episode of, like, what are, remember those talk shows? <laughs> the Delgados. Oh, not Maury. What was the other one? <laughs> Jerry Springer. Ricky, oh, my God. Remember Ricky Lake? Oh, my yes. God. I love watching that. Jenny Jones. I feel like we need one of those talk show episodes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Why did you leave? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so teenage and girls have is mommy issues. We need a Dr. Phil episode because that's Dr. like. Dr. Phil. <laughs> that's like the classy talk show. You know? That is Dr. Classy. Uh, Dr. <laughs> I don't know. Jerry Springer with the Delgados could be really fun. <laughs> Oh, that would be like a mess. That would be a mess. That was quite a train wreck, really. You couldn't help but watch what's going to happen next. Who's going to throw the first punch? Oh, the good old days. Gabe is a bodyguard. (laughs) Okay. So, um, Skylar ends up pulling his, like, official Guardian of Avalor card by Melina. Like, (laughs) I must. He's all like, halt. Can't be doing that. Um, interesting. He seems to have forgotten that he's not even in Avalor. He's in Viastrea, which he's technically an official prince of, right? So right. totally pull that card, too. Oh my like, gosh, yes! He's gonna be and king! He been like, well, yeah, I'm the prince of this land, so... Yeah, but, you know, it's Skylar, so he didn't, you know, he went there, but he didn't go there, you know? <laughs> he didn't go all He's not that friend. <laughs> <laughs> desperate times call for desperate measures. <laughs> yeah, and then he insists that she puts down the tamarita and she just kind of flat out refuses, which kind of makes me wonder because most of the time you just see Skylar as Elena's friend. And so, but now he's kind of like coming almost her mentor in this episode as well. 
And so I wonder if that's maybe why she doesn't take his advice as seriously, because he's always just been her kind of goofy friend that they just kind of hang out together. They don't really, mm. I don't know, exchange like yeah, meaningful life her. advice, yeah. if that makes sense. It's like a pet, but, you know, like it's your pet cat. And if your pet cat turned around and said, yo, don't do it this way, I'd be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I can't help but wonder if that maybe is just the nature of their relationship, if maybe that's why. Elena doesn't take his advice as seriously because he even gives her good reasons why she needs to stop, namely that she doesn't know how to cast spells properly. So I still can't help but wonder if it's more of a case that the creature is shielded against magical attacks or if it's just Elena really doesn't know what she's doing. <laughs> or, or, maybe, or maybe it's a prank tamborita. <laughs> it does everything backwards. Oof, that'd be rough. Right. A tamborita for show. It's not really a tamborita, it's just made out of magic crystal. <laughs> <laughs> It's for it's for display only. <laughs> I'm surprised Shriki didn't try to steal that one. <laughs> right? Oh, if she knew about it. <laughs> Would have saved us Selena's mom's crown. Right? Priorities. Okay, but can we talk about the fact that now, thanks to Elena, we not only have a crazy out of control little Charmander dude, but now he's like a flaming Tasmanian devil swirling all over the countryside <laughs> like a top. <laughs> kind of crazy. Oh my god. Like a, a tantruming toddler. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> Oh gosh. Flailing limbs throwing a tantrum. The toddler has just evolved. <laughs> <laughs> it's a charmeleon now oh. <laughs> oh my gosh wasn't the charmeleon the super like what is it not aggressive but he was like the, two, the one that was always like <laughs> actually it was it was over level and uh, over leveled and that's why it acted so aggressive like it changed into a you know into a charizard in one episode why am i analyzing pokemon <laughs> Eh, Sorry, I started but, it. But yeah, that was so always relevant. Level tend to be, you know, they tend to listen less and be a little bit more, you know, irritated. <laughs> I know why we're analyzing Pokemon. It's because his name is Anchimon, so we're automatically thinking Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, this joke was supposed to be made. <laughs> no, we had to go all the way with it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. It was meant to be. Mm -hmm. oh. So Elena is so sad and dejected after her second failure. I, I really want to give her a hug. You know, like one of those hugs that you give your friends when they're like out of control, but you're like, ah, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you knew this was going to happen and for them to realize that. <laughs> <laughs> but you're still their supporting friend, you know. Speaking of friends. <laughs> like I sort of wonder if she does have a new appreciation for what Mateo does and how easy he makes it look after her experience with that crystal tambourine. <laughs> That's a good question. Oh, yeah, me too. And then Skylar is focused on the problem at hand and is still pretty annoyed that she's a tambourine, which, to be honest, I think we all would because, as we've seen, the tambourine isn't exactly working for her, but she's very persistent and determined to prove that she can use it. But then she cracks and shares what has been on her heart since she realized her scepter was officially tapped out earlier that day. And basically she says that she feels powerless without her magic, which is kind of sad because to everyone else around her, we can obviously tell there is more to her than just her magic, but she doesn't see that. And we knew that this day was coming because she was becoming so magically proficient and it has been her go-to solution for a while. 
And all good leaders need to find a balance between their various strengths, even the magical leaders. And Skylar just continues. Yeah, Skylar continues to be just such a good friend. And he keeps insisting that she's more than her magic. And he lists all the amazing things that she's done without magic through the power of song, which I don't know about you guys, but I love the song. It was so sweet. So too fresh. A cry. (laughs) I know. I love that he's just, he gives about, as great pep talks as Elena, I think. Mm-hmm. You can definitely see why they're so similar and that they get along so well because they're both really good encouragers and just really great friends too. In the song, it was catchy and it was sweet and it was just, I really like the duet because Skylar doesn't really sing that often. I mean, I think he had, I can't remember remember his last song. I think I he was with it was his brother. Way back in the first season. So it was really fun to get him, to hear him sing again. And so it was really fun to watch that and I really liked it. Yeah, it's interesting, speaking after the song, <laughs> that the Anchimon, he heads straight for the palace. Um, did Chitana live there previously, like a long time ago? Does he recognize it? Hmm. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that the palace was made of stone. <laughs> interesting <laughs> that it can burn. Um, I suppose magical fires can burn anything, as we saw with also Shuriki's magical um, fire that she put through as well. Mm. After King Virago explains the legend of Chitana and her mythical beasts, um, Elena has an idea of how to out- outsmart the Anchimon. I think that was from the shadow. Didn't she see Skylar behind her with the wing? That was really cool. Um, again, this is a real strength. She always has a knack for this thinking outside the box to solve the impossible problems. Right. Oh, okay. Cruz and Feste immediately volunteer to help, and they look genuinely remorseful that the Anchimon caused so much trouble. Well, they had it coming, but they're still remorseful, so King Baraka was suspicious and rightfully so. But Elena, uh, being Elena, is always willing to give her foes the benefit of the doubt if they ask for it, and seeing if, you know, they really want to change their ways. Of course, it's backfired on her a few times, but I love that she hasn't become jaded despite you know her trust being so so challenged like she had Cristobal who was a family member we don't talk about Cristobal but you know that was a big <laughs> blow being betrayed by family oh my gosh I can imagine what happens when Selena about Esteban but well she's had Carla as Rita uh, play with all of them you know, like you know all um, all the castle, uh, Elena and her friends. And, you know, really, it would feel like she'd lost her hope in people. But no, our princess convinces King Virago that desperate times call for desperate measures and that she uh, and that they must give a chance to Cruz and Vestia. And really, that's something to admire, how uh, Elena can see the best in people. And Jackwins. Speaking of Jackwins, um, once again, Elena teams up with the Jackwins, um, just like she did in Run with the Jackwins, um, to capture another chaotic magical creature. Last time it was Avalor, this time it's to save Vastreya, and she teams <laughs> Team Jacqueline to the rescue. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. All right. So they lure the Anchimont into a trap, and I thought it was a really interesting parallel because. They used illusions to trap the creatures both in Realm of the Jackwins and Not Without My Magic. Because in Ooh, Realm of the Jackwins... Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was really neat because in Realm of the Jackwins, they used the scepter to create an illusion of the palace to lure Moramanda directly into the jar. And then in Not With My, My Magic, they used shadows to convince the Anchimon his Chitana was calling for him and lure him into Elena's waiting arms. And it was just interesting to see how both plans worked really good, even though one was with magic and one was out, which shows that 
magic doesn't exactly make up who you are in Elena's case, mm -hmm. which was, I think, an important lesson for her to learn. Good oh, picking out. That was really good. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. But did anyone notice how the Anchimon's line delivery when he realized Elena was not Chatana resembled the baby from Dinosaurs? You know, that Disney show from the 90s? His signature <laughs> line, not the mama. Yes. Not Chitana. Oh goodness, I saw the clip just because you, uh, you know, you had mentioned it, and truly, it sounds almost the same. <laughs> I, I can't help but wonder friends. if that was like a little throwback, or <laughs> it could be, it could be, or just a coincidence. Also, but that's what it totally reminded me of. Not Chitana, because that baby could cause some serious um, destruction when he got angry. <laughs> so you know, parallels. Oh goodness. <laughs> okay. But Chris and Vestia's overly innocent smiles, you know, they mess up everything and now they're like, so are we good? <laughs> and also, uh, Cruz's signature supermodel Jacqueline pose. I'm pretty sure Mario Lopez has enjoyed those. <laughs> but really, it was so funny. Too funny, actually. Uh, and, you know, it was nice to see that Elena was ready to trust them, even after the things he had seen them do. You know, friend her for Chief Zephyr's appearance, uh, join forces with Sariki, etc., etc. Yeah, it's it's not small <laughs> bad deeds, but, you know. That's still mm -hmm. bad deeds. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, they were kind of jerks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> A bit, but I also think it's interesting to see how King Virago's changed, too, because... Whatever happened to his no one breaks the rules, I make sure stance of the idea on like the order in Vistraya. Because maybe, I don't know, perhaps he and Skylar have been spending time together over the past year and a half and they've kind of rubbed off on each other. <laughs> maybe he's a little more lenient towards the rules or something. But regardless, it was just nice to see that he was willing to offer Cruz and Bestia mercy after they proved that they could keep their word. Mm -hmm. and, That's true. Yeah. I have to say, it really makes me curious as to their backstory. Like, they clearly grew up with the Jackwins and Vallestrella, and Cruz passed the Guardian test and showed he had some kind of aptitude for becoming the chief um, that Chief Zephyr became, began training him personally, you know? Um, his behavior in Shapeshifter seemed to be a new development. Like, no one expected it. Like, what triggered it? Why did Vestia claim to be an evil twin when clearly she was so quick to tr truly change and do what was right? Are they simply wayward prodigal children who needed to go out on their own for a time and discover the pain of bad choices for themselves? I just, I kind of hope we find out what their story is. Same here. Then we have King's Brago's words of wisdom for Elena. They were exactly what she needed to hear. Um, it was also really cool to see him acknowledge her as a fellow ruler and an equal. Unlike when Realma Jack wins, when she's been like, I'm ruling for a year. And he's like, well, I've been ruling 50. Yeah. <laughs> Though, personally, I don't think Elena is done with magic for now. Um, I think she's either going to get her scepter back. Well, I hope she is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or she's going to have to find a new way to channel that magic inside of her. The creative team have put too much effort into developing her magical aspect of Elena's character just to completely dump it like this. <laughs> um, I think she's going to find a balance between the physical and the magical. It will also be interesting to watch Elena rely more heavily on Mateo because, you know, she doesn't have her magic at the moment, but Mateo's skill is as a wizard to help her solve magical problems. Um, it would make sense since he's expert and part of being a great leader is knowing when to let your experts be experts. Mm -hmm. And then we go back to the Delgados. So first, I think it's interesting to note the look of sorrow on Ash's face as the scene kind of cuts to her looking out the window. 
So Victor can't really see it, but she looks really sad about something until Victor admits he was wrong about not wanting to wait for her. And then that haughty kind of angry look is back. I get a feeling that Ass is dithering back and forth between loving mother mode and evil power hungry malvago mode. Like she was so upset about missing Carla growing up. And she wants Carla to be happy that her family is whole, so she's willing to put up a front and, you know, not so her quarrel with Victor. But then the jewel of night is waving in her face and she's in power hungry mode, just like that. Uh, it really makes you wonder. And Ash knew exactly what the jewel was just from looking at it, which was interesting. Um, it's like she knew it could make her a powerful Malvago, but I'm curious to find out how she knew that. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she's going to be happy to share that power with her husband. Will she betray him? Um, That's a good question. Yeah, well, you saw the look on her face when Victor said that about us <laughs> oh also why do they need help from a certain princess you know elena i guess she's that certain princess ash referred to you know what could elena offer them the magic in her blood <laughs> the fact she's a princess oh that would get creepy very fast <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's a good question and also i get some serious manipulation vibes here i'm not mm -hmm. sure if it's you know as george victor and carla i'm not sure if she's going to actually manipulate carla but well in a way she will but i'm really wondering if you know we'll have backstabbing and all and really manipulating Elena again, you know, kind of like how they did in Spine the Palace with Rita, Carla. This poor girl. <laughs> yes, it's been through so much. All right, but going to the happy stuff. <laughs> Carla's <laughs> reaction to seeing them truly affectionate with one another is hilarious. This lovebird thing is kind of getting gross. <laughs> Such a teenager response. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right, so back to Elena. She returns the jar to Kita Moss. Just as he receives an updated prophecy for Elena. I feel like it's like the, these prophecies are like Twitter. It's like they're just popping up. <laughs> <laughs> tweet, tweet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, got a tweet for you. The flame. <laughs> the darkness. You're not done with it. <laughs> Retweet. <laughs> Hashtag get ready. No. <laughs> Hashtag tweet the most. Out. <clears throat> Hashtag fight the darkness 2K19. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Okay. okay. So I don't know about you guys, but I never really thought for a second that Shariki was the darkness from the original prophecy. What do you guys? Mm -hmm. Did you guys ever like feel that it was all done? No. Definitely, she's definitely not the darkness. Straight yeah. up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Like I just kind of thought it was a little too metaphorical, you know, like not specific, and never once like in what Shriki was specifically doing was any kind of darkness really mentioned aside from just, you know, generally being kind of a jerk and evil and stuff. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting because Shriki's like, Shriki was doing something more on a personal level, not something on a grand scale yes. level. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. She, I think we talked about it actually back on like Tumblr, like back in when we saw Jewel of Maru. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm thinking about it. But I mean, there was like interesting, there's like an interesting part about how the darkness moved back in the day. Yes. And it kind of gave us that like vibe, oh, yeah. like, okay, is this the dark, not, not necessarily the spirits of darkness that we saw in there, but like, is this the darkness that could possibly come back, you know, from that prophecy, mm -hmm. which was, you know, given, you know, a little bit, no, earlier on. But I think it was always like, I think we all had it in the back, especially because it just, like I said, 
Shrinky's motivations were very, very personal. Mm-hmm. And something that could prevent Elena from becoming queen and then causing ruin in Avalor just seems like it'd be something much greater than that. Yeah. And as we're finding Whoa. out, there's a whole history to Avalor in villains that we haven't even like really gotten to know yet. Just like with Shatana. I mean, technically she's banished, so I'm curious to see, you know. She's out there somewhere. These... Yes, a few of them. Mm-hmm. Named a few that were banished, and I'm wondering if like all this is eventually going to come back, and that's going to be the darkness that can affect Avalor. Absolutely. Why do we have so many banished people? <laughs> to give us story options for the future, of course. <laughs> Why are they all banished? <laughs> Why were they not imprisoned or something? The judge were a good alternative. <laughs> Well, because they keep fil- uh, forgiving villains for the stuff that they're doing now. Yeah. Exactly. Never they learn. it. No. I so. mean, if you got it, you know, for there's always got to be a balance for all the good. There's some evil somewhere. Exactly. So, but as far as the whole storytelling goes in season two with that whole arc, um, I kind of felt. And I think we all agree that nothing really happened in that story arc to indicate that Shuriki was the fulfillment of the prophecy. Like Jenny said, is her motivations yeah, were just too personal and not big picture. She may play a part, you know, being in the jewel. I mean, her soul being in the jewel or something like that, but making it extra evil. <laughs> well, yeah, we do know <laughs> that she won't is, be the big baddie anymore. Yeah, we do know that she is gone for good. Craig Gerber confirmed that in a tweet this week. She be dead. <laughs> See me dead. Yeah. <laughs> Celebrate. <laughs> this does not, however, stop us from feeling pretty bad for Elena. Mm-hmm. Poor girl has been through so much. I mean, can we maybe please give her a break? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, suppose, I mean, technically, with the hiatus, she's had a break. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I suppose if there was no more huge threat to her rule and her kingdom, there'd be no more story and thus no more episodes. And then we'd all be sad. Yes. So I'm kind of thankful that there's more. I'm sure we all are. <laughs> yes. So sorry, Lena, but we can want to continue watching. So, so keep up suffer the a little bit more. <laughs> we love you, though. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Oh, my God. So searching around, I found this uh, Mexican legend of an old witch uh, that is usually able to shapeshift and fly. While it is said, she obtained her powers by selling her soul to the devil. That's called the uh, La Lechuza. Now, us may not have sold her soul, but it is very possible. <laughs> yeah, we won't go that far, but it is very possible she has made a deal and was trained by a powerful evil figure to become a Malvago. Well, we're speculating that's Chitana. Uh, most importantly, however, her outfit theme uh, is inspired by an owl. And who knows, as an experienced sorceress, she will most likely have the powers mentioned. And I was thinking, maybe there was some inspiration there. Maybe not. Who knows? It would be interesting, though. Yes. And I'm going to speculate that Ash and her family, or at least Ash, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or maybe even Carla, now that I think about it. Ooh. Ooh. Anyways. Um, All together. I am going to speculate that they're going to be way worse than Shriki, or at least they're going to unleash something that's way worse than Shriki. Yes. And one thing I noticed, or just kind of random thought, was uh, one positive thing about is with all of this is that at least Shuriki is gone and Elena will be able to approach this upcoming darkness test with a more clear mind. You know, she can face what's to come without all of that emotional turmoil that came along with facing Shuriki. So she kind of has some closure there. So yay for positive exactly. things. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I think actually that could, 
possibly be why she had a much better outlook this time after speaking with Kitamos mm-hmm. than she did last time. Um, because I think the, I don't know, like now that I'm rethinking over like Secret of Avalor, I'm trying to think if she really truly believed Shriki was gone after that or if it was just, you know what I mean? Like it was something thinking. she always feared, you know, could come back. You know what I mean? Yes. But um, either way, I mean, she seems, you know, a little bit disappointed and maybe a little bit fearful, but she's also pretty resolved and understands that she needs to find a way to beat this darkness and pass this test that's coming. Yeah, and to close the episode, um, things that make you go, oh! (laughs) (laughs) I think I broke a sound barrier just then. (laughs) (laughs) You might have. It's okay, though. We love it. Um, That sweet moment with Skylar! Um, I'll have something much better by my side, you. And then a cuddle and Scarlet pairing. Oh my god, right in the feels. <laughs> yes, and on that note, the episode ends. And what a heartwarming, meaningful episode it was. And I just loved so much about it. And so, girls, let's talk about our favorite moments of this episode. Lady C, would you like to start us okay. off? Okay. Um, the animation, for example, the fur on the Jack ones looks so realistic. Like, you could almost reach out and pet them and be able to feel their coats under your touch. You guys always do such an amazing job with animation. But, like, ah! You can reach out and pet them. <laughs> also, that song, Skylar and Elena singing together, was just so beautiful. And his encouraging words throughout were just so inspired. A real tearjerker. Oh, I know. I love the song, too. And just every episode with the Dacquins in it, I'm always just so blown away. I love the Jackwins. They're always one of my favorite creatures from Elena Babbler. And how about Lady J? What was your favorite part? So my favorite part is watching the dynamic of the Delgado family unfold. There's still so many unanswered questions. Um, and watching Ash show signs of being a villain that could give even Shariki a run for her money was very interesting to see. Also, um, watching Elena solve this without her magic was very nostalgic. I think we all kind of forget the first few, I think nine episodes, Mm -hmm. didn't have Elena using her magic at all. And we kind of forget that. Um, either way it was all fun to watch you know it'll be interesting to see how she tackles this in the future yes i love that too all right what about lady g what was your favorite oh well surprisingly enough despite this episode being extremely important to the transition to some serious events regarding elena's ability to fight and protect her kingdom with magic that is because she can anyway uh i was kind of drawn to the side stories I mean, I enjoyed watching the complicated family dynamic between the Delgados, and especially Carla being happy to have her family back together, uh, kinda. <laughs> it was interesting how Victor and us were trying their best not to upset her with their, with their Carl. Also, I really liked Chris and Bestia, they were so much fun. Uh, they sounded like siblings throughout the whole thing, it was so funny, and I especially loved about that, uh, I love that line about uh, Cruz not being as smart as Vestia to make up this whole plan. Uh, And also their personalities got a bit more dimension this time. Yeah. All right. And Lady B, what was your favorite part? I have to say that my favorite part was Ash Delgado. Now, I'm not usually a villain fan like at all, but I adore her character design and her voice actress is amazing. And I believe she also plays Azula from Avatar, in case y'all were wondering. So, oh, my old passion. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, just 
perfect for this role. And the way she delivered every single line had me wondering what was really going on inside her head. She's so smooth and mysterious. And I think she's definitely the one to keep our eye on moving forward. Move over, Shariki. Mommy Delgado is taking the stage. <laughs> Yes, she's such a dynamic character. I can't wait to see more of her. All right, and then my favorite part was <laughs> literally so many parts. So seeing more Delgado backstory was definitely a highlight, as was seeing Elena and Skylar interact in their sweet song and also he purred again, which I absolutely loved. <laughs> and then I also really liked seeing Elena have to use her ingenuity and think about problems from a different perspective in order to solve them without magic. And you can definitely see her learning and growing in that episode. And I just thought the character development was really cool. Mm-hmm. And so as we've all discussed, there were just so many great things to love about this episode and while we enjoyed this episode yeah and while we enjoyed this episode we are also looking forward to the next episode which is luna's big leap which a little bird told us was written by the one and only tom rogers and as usual we'd like to take the moment to talk about some of our speculations for this upcoming centric episode so chrissy do you want to start us off with that okay so for luna's big leap um we were so fortunate enough to get a sneak peek from the tom the one and only tom rogers (laughs) and our last yes princess tom from california (laughs) (laughs) In our last podcast about this episode, where Luna has a Madonna slash Lady Gaga mashup song, so we are so looking forward to hearing her sing and become the D-I-V-A and slay that song. Yes, I'm so excited for the song too. And I can't help but wonder if it's going to be kind of like the training Gabe made Elena go through in Princess Knight, or if the story will parallel in some way. Like... Perhaps Luna is really bad at being a guard at first, but then slowly finds its determination and encouragement she needs to succeed and proves everyone wrong. Or it could be just the complete opposite, and she realizes that being a guard just isn't for her, but that it's okay to mm-hmm. want to try new things. Or maybe it's just uh, obstacles in her guard training, and she's just jumping over them, and she sounds them with her big leap. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> well, you know... <laughs> Uh, amazing yeah i also kind of wonder yes. if this is going to be like just focused on the jackwins the jackwins of viestrea alone alone or if maybe we'll see the return of elena and or mateo's shape-shifting abilities so then elena will be a part of it too probably not but you know it'd be fun to see them again true that was fun <laughs> i love their designs mm-hmm. yes or maybe isa this time yeah yeah that'd be really <laughs> love, cute. love that <laughs> Oh, this isn't for magic, you know. Probably she would study the rules of aviation. (laughs) (laughs) She probably would. So the official episode synopsis is Luna convinces King Virago to give her a shot at joining the King's Guard and gets partnered with a gruff Jacqueline named Tornado to show her the rope. Either way. Oh, I can't wait to see her design. Right? Is it Tornado or Tornado? Mm. (laughs) I'm going to say Tornado. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Probably. It sounds cool. <laughs> it sounds cool either way. Perhaps a romantic interest. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, Cruz did not work out, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe Tornado. 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 I can't wait to see that guy. All right, girls. I think that's it for now. So I'd like to thank you ladies for being so amazing. And thank you to all of our listeners all over the world. You guys are amazing as well. We can't wait for you to join us next time. Check us out on Twitter or Instagram for news, fun games, and resources you will not want to miss. And make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to our channel on YouTube, iTunes, or SoundCloud. And if you are feeling extra generous, we hope you are. Leave us some feedback. We love hearing from our listeners. Until next time.
Wings up, amigos. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. The magic within Chonies is the polite way of saying it. Chonchon is how I say it. So. <laughs> <laughs>